Today's Daily DVR dives into Big Little Lies Season 2 is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com now until the 22nd of July to take part in the 20th anniversary 20% off site-wide sale. Use code Cufflinks20 and get 20% off your order site-wide. And let's say happy anniversary to Cufflinks.com. And thank you so much for bringing us through this season on Big Little Lies. Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Big Little Lies Season 2. My name is Axel, of course. My co-host on this crazy ride through Monterey is Jenny, and you can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com, and consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dvr. Today we're going to be talking about season two, episode six of Big Little Lies, entitled The Bad Mother, directed by Andrea Arnold, maybe, and written by (laughs) David E. Kelly, definitely. (laughs) Send your feedback to dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, give us a uh, give us an iTunes review. And uh, DJ Tim Hinesworth has graciously volunteered to send out a Blu-ray slash digital set of season one to anyone uh, who give who well, anyone who gives us an iTunes review is entered. Not to everyone who gives a review, that'd be a little cost prohibitive. Um, <laughs> so give us a review. And we got a bunch more, but they didn't. They weren't written. They were the stars, which is still great. We appreciate it. Write something if you like, though. Uh, We do like that. Um, Also, our Veronica Mars feed is up. Ken and I just dropped season three. Search Veronica Mars on iTunes, Spotify, whatever. You'll find us. Tune in. We're doing all three seasons. We oh, we actually we recorded the movie yesterday. I'm going to drop that next week. The movie and the FBI pitch. That was so fun. And then Veronica Mars starts on Hulu July 26th, the fourth season. We're going to be covering that. So that's enough of that. Jenny, how you doing? What an episode. It was crazy. Plus, we have news to talk about. It's a big show. I am doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And I love the episode as well. I, that was like my last thing in the notes, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I like, love this episode. I love this episode. <laughs> let's talk about it. Well, one thing that people didn't love this week, and let's just get right down into it is this IndieWire article that dropped. Uh, for those of you who haven't read it, it's called Big Little Lies Season 2 Turmoil, Inside Andrea Arnold's Loss of Creative Control. Subtitled HBO and David E. Kelly took the show away from Arnold as executive producer Jean-Marc Vallée tried to return it to his Season 1 style, written by Chris O'Fate. Uh, this was published on July 12th, And it caused a bit of a stir, Um, not only for the creative reasons of people saying, hey, we were wondering why the episodes were cut a little weird and shorter, um, but also in response to the Me Too movement and the idea that um, people were very excited that a woman had been chosen after a man had written and directed the entire first season a show that is about women, a woman had been chosen, a woman who also, um, Arnold, has a history of being very well-liked in critical circles. She is very creative and intuitive, works with actors uh, very intimately, and was supposedly the choice of Jean-Marc 
valet. I keep I, I keep on thinking his name is not Jean Marc. I don't know. I want to say Jean Luc. I'll admit it. Okay, <laughs> I'm a Star Trek fan. I should just call him Jean Luc from now on. Jean Luc um, Picard's the best. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that to come out. That's going to be amazing. Um. Anyway, that's the uh, Picard series coming to CBS All Access in 2020. People. Uh, anyway. She was supposed to be, Arnold was supposed to be like Valet's choice. He said, she's amazing. She has the same intuitive style as me, blah, blah, blah. He was going to stay on as an executive producer, uh, but he was doing sharp objects. So the um, long and short of the story is that after shooting ended, they moved editing to Montreal where he's located and he took over editing with his team. If you look at um, this episode, there are 11 editors credited, and you see their names get progressively French uh, <laughs> as, the, as they go on, um, as the list continues. And, uh, and according to this article, again, Arnold was heartbroken. Uh, she felt that the creative vision that she was hired to impart was vastly changed in editing. Um, and you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of people reacted emotionally, uh, to it, which is totally open that, that, I mean, a totally acceptable. And I, I mean, when I saw it too, my first inclination is we see so many of these stories, it's a sad thing, but then there's a secondary story from the production side. Let's talk about kind of the me too side first. Um, what, how did that strike you, Jenny, when you read this article? Well, um, as we had mentioned when we talked about this before we started recording, like, I don't know a whole lot of the technical stuff. And, and as a female, like the Me Too thing, like belief for having a female person leading this show filled with strong female characters. And I think she, from what you had had me check out a short film of hers, and because I'm not familiar with all this stuff, and I had always thought that the second season of this looked very similar to the first season of it. I didn't notice different stylistic choices or whatever. I mean, I think it's great that she she got to have this show, um, but I didn't, I don't know if, if the way they put it together in the end, in the editing, really was taken away from her her vision that she had seen as the director um, because I don't know exactly what her vision was, but the way that a person like me sees it just stylistically, I thought it was a continuation of the first season. And I don't know if that's because of Valet's editing or if that was because of the way she shot it. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I think that's the crux of the argument is, Either way you try to approach it from a production standpoint or from kind of a cultural social standpoint, we know so little about what happened behind the scenes. It's one article. Um, if more information comes out on either side, we can gain more of an understanding. Initially, it's disheartening, right? Yes, um, I agree. You'd hope that that this that this season two was really put together to celebrate these amazing actresses and this great story and people and written by a woman, right. And David E. Kelly mm -hmm. has always put women first in all everything he's written um, throughout his entire career. And um, I think that it's disappointing to people to find out about this and people get upset. 
Yes, um, I, I can see yeah. why they would. If that if that really is the case, if that's really what happened, that's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. But we don't know, right? It's one article, and I'd love to hear what Arnold has to say. She's not quoted in the article, and as time goes on, I'm sure we'll find out more, and we'll be able to form a greater opinion on that side. Um, there's no doubt that there's a history of women in film um, having their work disregarded, and even when getting making huge box office hits, not being able to get a follow up. Um, I mean, there's a. I mean, I could list like 20 female directors that could have had the careers of less talented male directors. Um, that and when it comes, and I'm not, and I'm not speaking just of like artistically creative. I'm talking about like blockbusters. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, just across the board, industry-wise. So it's not even a creative thing that definitely exists. So it's good to acknowledge that. And it's good that people see a story like this. And in today's day, they look at that. Though, of yeah, course, and it makes yeah. people question it and wonder yeah. what really what really went down. If, if her, her creative... Because uh, the article said something about she wasn't given full... Cre what What is the term? She wasn't given like... Um, she couldn't... Well, she didn't she have say-so at the she, end. Yeah, she didn't have final cut. She never Thank had you. final cut. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why they would be able to do that. And that's unfortunate too. Because like, if they really entrusted her to um, be the one in charge of this season and the way it was, um, you know, the, the look of it and everything, then... They should have, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I understand. And that I'll talk about the production side um, where that is much more complicated. And actually, this is kind of a run of the mill story on the production side, mm -hmm. but it gains more traction, I think, because of the cultural and social ramifications involved and the gender politics that play into right. it. And from that perspective, again, I want to hear more about it. It, it's disheartening on both sides to see some people say like, oh, it couldn't be that and get mad about that when, oh, guess what? It very much could be. And it's right. also disheartening to see people immediately be like, Jean-Marc Valet is a chauvinist pig, blah, blah. Like, I don't, I don't know this dude. You know what I mean? Like, actually, previous to this report, he kind of had a very progressive um, – uh, he was known to be very progressive and open, you know, and his work uh, spoke that spoke to that. So I think it's just, it's, that's the times we live in. Let's talk a little bit. Can, I'll talk a little bit about the production side. Um, and Jenny, I know you've already stated that you kind of felt it was a continuation, which is how I feel most people who are casual or just, I wouldn't say casual. I mean, it's not like big little lies is like game of Thrones, right? Like, I don't know if people are cosplaying at, you know, con <laughs> of lies, but maybe they are, uh, <laughs> I was con of lies this weekend. Oh my God. There was like 18 mad lines. It was amazing. Um, but <laughs> con of lies. That's funny. But, um, yeah, right. History of Monterey. Um, it, from uh well, man i got so into that joke i like lost where i was um from <laughs> editing the, editing okay from the editing and production side okay i was a pro professional editor from around 2001 till about 2016 
So for about 15 years, I was paid money to edit things. I edited everything from home movies to events to government shows. I worked at public access stations. I had a production company, a small production company uh, with uh, Mike, who people have heard on podcast Winterfell. Um, and I did other freelance work as well. Okay, so from an editor's point of view, watching this show, I've commented on how each episode I've commented on how they've strived to make it look like season one, even though it didn't have certain elements of season one, and how I thought they had done a pretty great job of mixing the plot lines Right. And the especially the plot line with Bonnie and her mom, those visions in with the, the style and the editing style of the sh- of the show. Mm-hmm. And I maintain that I definitely maintain that. But I will admit, after watching this episode and reading the article and gaining more information and insight into it, which is natural, there's no editor that can sit and watch something and immediately tell you everything that the other editor had at their disposal. I have had every experience I think that an editor could have. I have had someone shoot an entire film, drop it on me and say, please figure out how to edit this. A short film, a documentary, uh, anything where I have had to go through all the footage, log, uh, put it into the computer, log it, um, identify it, put it in different categories according to scene, whether it was a wide shot, a two shot, whether it was um, coverage, and then try to make something out of it. And when I'm watching this show and after reading this article, I can say this, it's definitely, it should be obvious, I think, at this point to editors watching and after reading this, I do believe that there was definitely a lot that went into editing this show. And in many scenes, they seem to have abandoned most, if not all, of the coverage and alternate shots and takes. One of the uh, scenes that I'll pinpoint is the scene when Corey and Jane meet on the beach. And this is after they've had their initial discussion and he kind of shows up, right? Mm -hmm. And the entire first part of their conversation is a two shot, meaning there's two people on the screen. It's like a mid wide, meaning from basically kind of their knees up to a little bit over their head. And they both talk. The camera's always shaky. It always appears handheld and moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, by the way, that's a trick. I used to have an old handle from a super eight camera that I put on a, uh, a digital camera because it wiggled a little and it made it look more <laughs> handheld. I'm not mm-hmm. even joking with you. That is done. I believe on purpose. it. Yes. This is done on purpose. Nobody is handling a camera that shakily. They are shaking on purpose and you see a two shot and that's all you see. Right. And they, you go through a whole, it's one take and there's actually three scenes like that in this particular episode. It's one take. And it's a straight on shot. And then, it, and then it cuts in the middle of their conversation to a shot reverse shot over the shoulder, meaning like a, a more close up sh- from the shoulders up on the head of each actor and going back and forth over their shoulders. It's lit completely different. 
it was uh, my indi- from reading this article i would guess that that was shot some of the pickup shots that they had to go back and do later after they did editing because they went back and did pickup shots and arnold was a part of this um so her style is one where the camera seems to have a mind of its own and it doesn't always particularly follow the face of the actor it it'll it'll kind of way go down into a person's hand right or even when it's on the person it'll get intensely close right and it's mm-hmm. a little bit unnerving and it, it it you know it elicits emotion like when they were showing Celeste twisting her wrist exactly those shots were shots that she took if you could imagine that most of the show was that okay and you reversed the standard shots where you see a person's face predominantly to something of that nature where something other than the person's face is predominant. That's a simple way of explaining it. That is a style in which this article and other articles I've read that she was using. Now there's multiple cameras, there's multiple takes. So it looks to me like they basically went in and eliminated most of that stuff which is inversely shot, meaning the coverage is central, not the person, right? Um, And that's why we have these shorter episodes, scenes that happen, boom, right? So fast. So fast. And and our one take, Renata in the car with Gordon, really, we get a couple shots to him, but really it's one take on her Mm -hmm. uh, on the beach. Um, when Celeste is with the, with the boys, little shots like that, that seem dreamy. Now I can see that they get into editing. They're trying to put it together and it just doesn't work. I shot a movie, uh, with Mike actually, that I've never edited. Actually, I've edited a lot of him. I never showed anybody. Um, and I had two camera people on it and I, at the time was in love with that style of cinematography. Um, which was extremely popular in the early 2000s and late 90s. Uh, that's really when it came into vogue. And because people were using digital handheld cameras, the Duplass brothers, so many people like that, right? Um, and I had one person shoot only like that. And I had the other person shoot the standard two or three shots or single shots or wides. Um, and what I ended up with was realizing that not only should have I reverse the camera people because the guy shooting all the crazy shots was much better, <laughs> but <laughs> the, these shots, I would have had to, the feeling that would be elicited from those shots was so vastly different and in my opinion, took away from the performance of the actors, okay? So... This is a long way of explaining. I'm sorry I'm talking so much, Jenny. I hope people find this interesting. Are you finding <laughs> I find this it interesting. interesting? Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Because um, I will get into it. Um, I feel their pain is what I'm saying. I could see a situation in which Jean-Marc Vallée did think that she would be a great choice. And the mistake he made is that she wasn't shooting to edit in the same way they were shooting to edit when they shot the first season because he was shooting and editing and there was no communication 
There was no show Bible. There was no creative direction given to her in order to achieve this look. That is a failure of production. And unfortunately, it happens all the time. In regard to the director being the creative visionary behind a television show, I just have to say, no. the, the only time a television director gets final cut on a show is maybe when Netflix or Amazon gives money to somebody and says, here's all the money, come back and we'll put whatever you made on, on our service. <laughs> HBO has never given creative uh, control to a director. She's not the showrunner. She wasn't named the showrunner. She's the director. So the mis- there's a misunderstanding there. For her to be disappointed creatively, of course, I mean, this is, she's put into it. I just need to find out more because in essence, that side of this story is one that is just so common, right? There was a misunderstanding. What, uh, what that was due to, whether it was notes by HBO, Jean-Marc Vallée wanting to take more control after giving it up, those are personal things we don't know. As a viewer, though, I'm going to have to say, and as an editor, that I think they did a freaking great job. I really do. I I can notice these things, but maybe I'm not even noticing it right. I wasn't there. You know, um no one can tell really, but from reading it and looking at it and assessing it and really thinking about it, the social part is upsetting to me and I want to know more about it. The mm-hmm. production part is unfortunately an age-old story as well as the business part where the director's vision is very rarely completely seen through i mean up until three years ago maybe television directors were for hire you're not an auteur (laughs) you know what i mean you're a teacher you're like a substitute teacher that's what they call tv directors there's a difference that's why people wanted to do film things are changing now so the public's um the the public's response and the public's expectation of what creative control means for a director or showrunner is 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 not understood very well it's not explained to us very well and also it's different on every show mm-hmm. that's what's so hard to understand about tv and film you can't look in the credits and say uh, you know, editor, they did the same job on every picture. No, it's always different. The ex- It's a creative endeavor. So that's the communication and the way it comes together uh, is so much a part of it. And I have to say that for all the problems that this seems to have, it turned out pretty good. And by the way, there's so many examples of things that had the worst ever production um, times, whether it's like, I mean, you know, you know, apocalypse now think about that but then it comes out to be an amazing film right there's mm-hmm. so many things that were saved in editing or ruined in edit it's just a process but i find it to be interesting and that ends my monologue <laughs> <laughs> that's funny I, I could talk about it all day i just dude i find it yeah. interesting i hope other people find it as interesting as i do i mean i don't have a lot to say about it obviously because i have no clue but i find it interesting to hear about it yeah i've i've been through this trust me i've i've worked on things where someone told me they hired <laughs> me to shoot something they said you direct it you know and then we get to edit they want to ch-. like 
it's so personal and it's, but it's professional, the arts. That's why like the arts is such a hard thing. And then people get online and they get crazy. And then, you know, until more information comes out, I, I just, I'm disappointed, but I'm going to reserve judgment. But on the production side, I think this article has more to tell us about on the production side. That's what I found more interesting because you can kind of see that and it can teach the casual viewer about that. Like the reason why the scenes are so short is because they were supposed to be dreamy and languid and long and, 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 and flowing, right? And weird. But instead, they just used the straight shot and went to the next scene. <laughs> That's what happened. All right, let's get to the damn episode. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. All right, you want to start us out? Uh, this episode starts us with uh, Renata's version of the uh, trivia night events. Um, I didn't like screen or like sit and rewind it a million times this time since we basically know what they said now. Um, they all say the same things in all of them, but we just saw it from her perspective and the end of it was, um, her screaming for an ambulance. And then, uh, we get into Jane driving like a lunatic and, what did you think about I think it's kind of cool that uh that we start again, right? We yeah. had Jane, Celeste, Madeline, Renata, and uh we also had an episode with Bonnie mm-hmm. that started We've seen it yep. all. Mm-hmm. And that's that's cool, right? Yes, See, I, that- I- continuity i i like that we've seen it and each time like because now like i said i didn't even feel the need to like make sure i was getting exactly what they said because like the first time it happened like that was the first time we actually heard what they said so i found it really interesting i don't know if other people did or not but i found it interesting so this time we already knew what they were saying but it was interesting to see it from renata's perspective as well exactly and it is really uniquely from their perspectives and they all like have guilt or fear or you know trauma right Mm -hmm. and um just to take a step back to what we were talking about this is an example of where they could have created this that this was never in any script they sat down to edit and they said we're going to start every episode with them remembering it and all they did is went and find little shots of them right Mm -hmm. put in those shots from last year from the same scene and that now they've created a, a kind of a a bond between all the episodes. This is part mm-hmm. of the editing thing that we can kind of notice, but mm-hmm. I think it has a thematic bond too. Um, so we get right to the Jane and Corey stuff. Mm-hmm. Did this surprise you? What his reply is that he was brought in for questioning. What was your like emotional response to this? I thought that that was logical. Uh, I was glad he wasn't a cop or a CI, um, yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I, still i i mean jane's still not gonna trust him yeah that's as a result yeah that that's the big thing here right is that um it was interesting how immediately it happens i was like oh we talked all about this is he gonna be you know what i mean (laughs) 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 was he selling pills like i said Mm -hmm. uh but no he was brought in for question and which is even worse right but he did give jane some valid some good information about what quinlan was looking for yeah yeah he laid it all out right Mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. Um, but it plays into the trust thing. And that's why I, th- I like the layers of that, mm-hmm. that the initial mystery, okay, 
He was brought, oh, wow, he's brought in for questioning. But then it's like, well, think about their relationship. Let's talk a little bit. We get three scenes um, with Jane and Corey uh, Mm -hmm. at work and then on the boogie boards. Mm -hmm. The work thing was kind of (laughs) cute. Yeah. He, she, she hadn't been returning his calls or whatever. And he called her on it and then she's like, whatever, and turns away. And then he makes a joke to the kids. I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was funny. It was cute. Yeah. I like that. And I think it's cool to show them kind of having a relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, then the next scene where she's out with, uh, Ziggy, um, he just tries to get her to talk again and tells her he's not going to let it go that easy. I mean, it's a nice relationship. I, I hope that, um, if we're going to continue on that we get to see more of Corey. Do you think that, I mean, I should say, do you think that she's going to forgive him? And I mean, I don't know that he did something so bad. How long was it in between that he was brought in for question? You know, like that's a little bit up for debate on the emotional level. Like, I feel like she probably thinks that, or at least feels that he should have uh, told her before he went to talk to Uh, the detective. And that's probably part of where she feels betrayed. Yeah, but it does kind of fall in line with his personality, though, right? Because he seems like a kind of like tuck in the corners guy. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, he still could. She feels betrayed because I I really think it's because he didn't tell her. Yeah. No, I, don't I mean, disagree I mean, with her she wouldn't. Yeah. She wouldn't have wanted him to talk to her either. So maybe she would have tried to stop him, and maybe that's why he didn't tell her. But they're not on the same page, regardless of where the um, breakdown falls. And when he confronts her on the beach, which I guess is not really confronting. That's kind of a strong word. I know, but, but you felt it was confronting. <laughs> well, he confronts her about not talking to him yeah. and you know that's true it, it's not like he, it's not like he's yelling at her but he <laughs> he is confronting her what other word is there i mean there's synonym synonyms i'm sure but <laughs> confront you know, what, it is confrontation right because he just shows up too yeah that's like a, that's a that's a strong move right like when a person just mm-hmm. shows up on you you're like yo back up you know that is yeah. a confrontational you're right that is confrontational um I liked it because this, these little, these three scenes apart from everything else that's going on in the show, uh, I think show that Jane is actually making an attempt to do the opposite of what she did last year. And even though she took some time away from him, she, you know, avoided him after that. She did go to confront him about it first, right? Mm-hmm. Then she needed some time, which is natural. She's cool about it at work. She doesn't go crazy, right? She doesn't make a right. big deal about it. Even when he makes a little sarcastic comment, we could have been taken a little bit like, yo, chill out. You don't need to like. She's prickly. Yeah. Like, like you, that. you need to involve the public in our dispute here, pal. You know, you don't need to make it like uh, you post this I on Facebook. Was- I think it was, um, you want to touch something prickly? She's right beside me or something like that. I think that's what it was. It finally came to me. Hey, look, if I was that kid's mom, I would have looked up at him and I would have been like, chillax, Homer Simpson. (laughs) Um, I know, but it was kind of (laughs) cute. It was. Uh, But then she just tells him when when he confronts her at the beach that uh, 
it's going to be hard for her to trust people. Mm-hmm. She's honest. Understandably. Yeah. And, and he's honest with her. He's like, yep. I'm not going anywhere. So I think it's yep. sweet. And I hope maybe if we if we do wind up with a season three that Corey's still around. Yeah. Everything's in reverse. The only person who has any semblance of a healthy relationship is Jane. There you go. Everybody else is messed up and crazy. Um, now we get a couple of um, little quick scenes of Quinlan and Mary Louise reviewing the tapes of Celeste, and then later Quinlan reviewing pics of the trivia night. Mm-hmm. Um, based upon the information we found out from Corey, I have to say this is not a red herring, and what happens later in the trial, <laughs> they were working together, right? Right. I mean, definitely. Uh, she's at the trial, too, um, and... They should have been worried. She's watching. Yeah. She's watching. She's watching Bonnie. Yep. Yeah. She's watching. Bo- I mean, this is uh, now there's also a scene here, which comes up during Bonnie's, um, which I'll mention now, because it kind of involves Quinlan, which it comes up during Bonnie's crazy hospital visions, right? Where mm-hmm. you remember this, where Bonnie's sitting being interviewed and she says, and that's when I knew I had to. I remember it vaguely, but yeah. That's exactly what she says in the dream. She's like kind of fading in and out, and it comes soon after one of these Quinlan shots, right? And um, Bonnie is sitting at the uh, in the police station, right, being interrogated at the at the table. And, yeah, I remember uh, what you're talking about, yeah. but I can't remember like the exactness of it. But yeah, and, I do and, remember that. And then. Because I'm dropping a theory on you here. And okay. then later when they're in the courtroom and when when Celeste says he fell down the steps during that whole part, they flash to Bonnie and she has like her stomach is like looks like she's ill or something. And then they mm-hmm. flash to Quinlan. And mm-hmm. I have a new theory that I'd like to drop on you right now. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Part of this is to do exactly what they were talking about to get Celeste to perjure herself. They, Bonnie has already confessed. I think that's why Quinlan is bringing in uh, Corey for questioning. Bonnie already went in and confessed. We saw her there twice. What do you think? I I think it's possible. Yeah. I don't know if I think that's what happened, but I think that that's a very good possibility. Take a little break here from my talk with Jenny about Big Little Lies to remind you to go to cufflinks.com. Support the show, support our sponsor, and also get some amazing products over at cufflinks.com. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code cufflinks20. Look good when you step outside in the morning. You know, today is the day that you make that decision that you're going to walk into that office and you're going to have a cool tie. You're not going to have an old crappy tie that you had for years that's broken down and looking like it has some lunch stains on it. You hear the... Do you hear that train out there? That's a, a train is coming. It's time for you to get an awesome tie. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Okay, so I'm not sure that um, I see it the way that you see it, but I could. There's different things that happen later um, that make me think maybe 
you're you're onto something because initially what I think when I see her like grab her stomach and the face she makes, it's like I know you didn't do it, but like she keeps having in those little vision things or whatever, where she's thinking of an alternate universe or whatever. Cause she like <laughs> stands up and she says, you know, she didn't do it. I did it. And it's like, so Celeste isn't perjuring herself because she didn't push Perry down the stairs. Well, and that's, that's what was asked of her. Okay, that's that, it was that's asked a, yeah. of her if she pushed Perry down the stairs, and she said she did not. And then Bonnie, in her imagination, stands up and says, "I did." Right. So when I see the look on her face and her grabbing her stomach, I feel I feel like she's just feeling that guilt hitting her again, and she's getting pain in the pit of her stomach because it just is like it's so weighing on her. But the the whole thing with her her mom um saying that she was drowning and in the later scenes with bonnie in the hospital in one of them um she imagines her mom getting up from the bed and telling her to go towards the light and so like what is what is the light if she's like metaphorically drowning and not like actually drowning if she's metaphorically drowning it's it's the guilt and the weight of this coming down over her right yeah. so um what's the light in that case is it going to the police and confessing her sin so yeah i, I it, it you could be right. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I have to say about that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I am, and I don't even care. I just like kind of having a crazy theory and thinking about it. Right. And um, it's, it's not but, crazy because it's actually, true. it's like a logical yeah, iteration of what could happen. She went there twice. I mean, we saw her go twice to the police station, right? Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that's where she saw Corey. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't know what she did after she saw Corey. Right. Um, and, and her seeing Corey may have been more of an indication of her guilt. Like I caused Corey to be there. Uh Oh, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, the way the next scene that we get is when the ladies meet, which I love when they meet at night. And then Ed is later like, well, what did you talk about? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like they know. talked about Perry getting killed. Ed, what do you think they talked about? I um, know. It was that's but this was a cool scene, too. Um, because they're just, there's no unity there. Oh my God. Madeline, like saying, let's not forget, basically, you know, you're the one that did it. Yeah. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Little blonde woman. Yeah. That's like, the wrong thing to be saying at that point. Uh, yeah. Cause they, they followed suit and, and it wasn't just Madeline. It was all it was all of it was Celeste and Renata and Madeline that all said, you know, none of us did it. Let's just lie, basically. So, yeah. And whether it was see, that's the thing, too, is there's an interesting idea here that they all claim they did it to protect Bonnie. Right. But mm -hmm. in a sense, didn't they? They really did it to protect themselves. Well, I mean, none they None just of the rest of them really needed protection, in well, in all honesty, because well, they're know, wealthy. They? They're wealthy white women. Well, but no, I I don't disagree about that. I didn't. Uh, you're absolutely correct. I meant to protect themselves in the eyes of like their social circles That's and their true. standing yes. in the community. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. No. The law thing is, of course, that that we talked about that. Yeah, definitely. 
that and that's the angle they're using on Bonnie in a way too, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we realize that, oh, you know, the lone black woman is going to take the, you did it, and then you're going to get all the blame, and we're the wealthy white women, and blah. But the truth is, is that they kind of came up with that immediately because there were so many associated lies involved with Jane and Perry, and you know what I'm saying? Like, they just, they just freaked, and they did what, you know, what probably you think of someone like Renata doing in any situation, like get ahead of the story. Right. Because the reason that Madeline and Jane were even down there when Perry and the only reason they were down there was because Madeline was feeling guilty because Ed was singing at trivia night. Oh, that's right. He was singing that song and she felt guilty. And so she left running off. And Jane went after her. And then when Renata saw them leave, she went after them. And then here comes Celeste finally having escaped Perry from the car. And then it all goes down. Yeah. So the only reason they were where they were was because of Madeline. So Madeline has a reason to feel guilty. That's an interesting point. Yeah, it's very complex. But it's definitely, there's layers to what they're doing and in the end it is to protect themselves yeah you know they're not really trying to help each other at all and and it's evident from this meeting because I, I'm, I'm i'm watching this and i'm like you think one of them's gotta say look we're fucked now like we've got to be like let's get a plan this is what we need to do we need to kind of go on the offensive in a sense you know and come up with a plan. And they don't. They just meet there, yell at each other, and then they get dragged <laughs> off to separate cars and they go. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just not not good. Um, let's talk a bit. There were a couple scenes with Renata and Gordon, which were, I mean, encapsulated story. Gordon screwing the nanny. That's basically <laughs> what this, but. That was a hot mess. Yeah. I mean, the whole little scene with them dismissing her and yeah, we'll get you your money. And then in the court, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was, and the car scene was amazing. Laura Dern is a, is an amazing actress. Man, how many times did she say fuck and how many iterations uh, of fuck? That was, was so, uh, my, was my buddy great. Conrad just started watching this show and he he binge watched it this weekend and i i directed him to our podcast he nice. listened to the one from last week but anyway he he was talking about this he's like i love renata he's like i don't like any of these actresses really he's like can't stand them but he's like i binge watched he's like it just kept going by and going by and it was so good he's like wow <laughs> and oh my goodness it was great yeah but Laura Dern's awesome he was we were talking about that and he's like and the way she shoved those tissues and i was like yeah it was pretty funny that was great you and you know what it's like that's what i mean about whatever whatever went on behind the scenes of the production it's very uh, in the editing i should say it's very obvious to me at least from what you're seeing on the screen that they're giving amazing performances right like People are acting their asses off, and that was just pure emotion, you know? There was nothing – they didn't find anything – there was no 
revelation. You know, there's no uh, plot being forwarded. It's just basically a woman being further humiliated by her fucking husband. It's like she, every time she adjusts a little bit to what the fuck is happening in her life now, some other bomb gets dropped right at her feet. And I thought it was great writing that just before the nanny stands up, he's selling his dumb trains, right? (laughs) Which by the way, aren't dumb. I love them, but they, you know, and he's like, those are vintage, but, and Gordon's like, oh, he's like, you know, and then it's another one of his indulgences. And this time it's the nanny. And not only that, but this scumbag told her it was for stress relief. Like he basically (laughs) sold this poor girl a story that she was expected to do this, you know, mm, and would, yeah. would, would be paid later, which is, I mean, that's horrible. That he, I mean, she should take him to court. You know what I'm saying? I get. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm trying to think of what the implications are of it. But anyway, it's no good. And it's even worse for Renata. And this scene is great. Yes. Yes. This episode was so good. It really was. Everything about it. It was a lot of fun. It had a lot of fun scenes. Um, let's talk a little bit about Madeline and Ed. I'm saying Madeline instead of Madeline this week. I don't know why. <laughs> you know what? What's funny on on that uh, the what is it? Broad little lies. They talked about that. Um, how Renata does that actually in the episodes she calls her Madeline, but. Uh, apparently someone from big little lies had confirmed or maybe it was even reese that it's really it's madeline yeah it's yeah. not madeline, madeline but yeah. but um R- renata in the show in season one and even in season two <laughs> has called her madeline and that's so funny because renata is just the type to take so your you're right there with renata axel <laughs> what's that you're right there with Renata. You just call her whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Well, well she, she like upscales the name for her, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, if you're going to hang out with Renata, you can't be Madeline. You have to be Madeline. You, you know, you think so plebeian. Yes, exactly. You can't be Annabeth. You have to be Amabeth. <laughs> Amabella. Am- oh, whatever the hell her name is. <laughs> Get the hell away from me with that name. Um, I can't even, I can't even stomach it. Um, oh, yeah, that the, is an odd name. I mean, look, I, I try you just not put two different, you put Emma's not even a name. I, AMA, you can't, you know, that's not a name. Bella's a name. I can't like make fun of Annabella. people's names. It's too, di- you know, you never I'm know where a name fun. comes from. It's just, it's just <laughs> weird. Annabella. Yes. Okay. But Emma, Emma's not even a name. No, come on. It's, it's purposefully different. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, Changing it just enough so you're different, but it sounds like she-she, you know? It's purposeful. Right. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. it's so Agreed. she can correct that's everyone. That's what it is. It's, yeah. Yes, that's exactly, exactly. it. It's, it's purposeful. So, it's so she can correct everyone. Yes, they were like holding her, you know, she had just given birth and Gordon said, what should we name her? And she said, Amabella or whatever. And he said, Annabelle? <laughs> and she said, no, Amabella. And he was, and, and then he looked at her and he went, oh, that's No, why. she did one of those perfect scenes that she's had at least two of in the series so far where she screams at someone, yeah. no, I said Emma, That's amazing. I love it. She's great. They should, they should have a whole like, uh, like little short films with her. Just saying that name. Somebody's got to create a YouTube supercut. Um, all right. So 
Madeline, Madeline and Ed, <laughs> we get we get like wow, like five or so scenes here. Um we start off where she has just come back from that hastily called and terribly uh organized meeting of the of the Monterey Five. And yeah, and she mentioned something about having like yelled at Bonnie because yes. that's what they're talking about yeah. when we come into the scene. Yeah, and th- I like this scene because it's like um it's like, you know, I mean, you're married, right? You you know how it is. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to tell that one detail and you really don't want your spouse to ask the rest of the details. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, because that's the one detail he's going to have to deal with in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, by the way, if Nathan tries to fight you again, I did yell at Bonnie, uh, you know, is what <laughs> she's basically trying to say. Probably so. Right. And then he wants the rest of the story and he's very, and this I like too, he immediately calls her out and, right. and he's like, you're doing it again. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was good for Ed. It was. And it I, was good. Yeah, I have to say, I was surprised by Ed this episode. I thought we were going to start the episode with uh, him banging Tori while her husband watched. <laughs> and I was wrong. I mean, I still, I don't, was he there? Was the husband, now I'm like questioning, was that a problem? He was, with the he edit? was there. He was there at the bar. Okay. All right. So I do think that I was right about that, right? Like they don't, when they have their conversation, Ed and Tori, they don't, She doesn't make it sound like she wants it to be a threesome or anything, but she does definitely want to have an affair with him, even if it's, yeah, and and have Joseph know about it. Okay, right. So maybe it's not that he's going to necessarily watch, but he's Mm going to know who Mm -hmm. it was, when it happened, and what happened, Mm -hmm. which is, again, like a power dynamic, right? Definitely. I I thought that that, not not to skip ahead, but just because we're talking about it. That was really interesting where she talked about how like the therapist had said to her, you know, it is about not feeling like you're a sucker. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's very interesting. And I thought it was very forward thinking because I think shame and humiliation is a big part of that when someone cheats on you, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of times you think that what a therapist is going to say is, no, just forgive them. You have to forgive them. But part, sometimes part of forgiving is restoring a power balance. Right. But I think that, uh, honestly, from personal life experience, <laughs> that her revenge is going to be just as cold. Yeah. Um, it's not going to satisfy her uh, in any way, shape, or form like she thinks it will. No, I totally agree. I do. And I don't think that's what the therapist – I don't think the therapist no, was No, I, I don't her. either. Yeah. But – yeah, I think that, you know, her wanting to switch the power dynamic is valid, but I think that her her perceived way to do that is going to do her no good in the long run. Yeah, no, definitely not. And now, Ed doesn't turn her down, but he doesn't take it up either. No, and she says something very important to him, right? Which is she says, I don't just want to have sex with you because – my husband had sex with your wife. I want to have sex with you. I want mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's powerful for anyone to hear, man or woman, right? Right. Like, isn't that what essentially we all want to hear? We want someone to say, <laughs> I want you. Duh. 
<laughs> right? So that was, I was like his face and she was like, I find you attractive. And Ed kind of like, I feel like it, that it was interesting too. He said, um, just the fact that I thought about it means I already did it. Yeah, that's kind of a biblical perspective. And it's also kind of um, gives you an excuse to go ahead and do it. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. You know, I mean, come on. That's eventually, that's how humans work, right? Like, oh, I already did. You know, I mean, (laughs) just a tip, right? I mean, come on, you know. uh, But, you know, I thought that this whole conversation was really cool and really interesting. And I was surprised. It was bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I liked it because it was so weird the last time we saw them. And then they were talking so openly this time that I kind of liked that contrast, the directness of both of them. Yeah. And you actually like got a whole fairly lengthy for the, for the way this, uh, this show is, I mean, we do have some lengthier or scenes within the episodes. Like some of the ones in the courtroom were, we're longer um, in this episode, but this see this the scene with Tori and Ed is fairly long yeah. compared to yep. some of the other scenes within the episode. Definitely. So, I mean, there's a reason for that. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was well. I mean, Madeline had gone to see Renata too. Um, she needed. I think she needed to talk down from the ledge because. Oh yeah, this was right after Ed confronts yeah. her. Right. She really wanted to tell Ed and Renata tells her she can't. And I think that that was like right before the Tori and Ed scene. And then after that, we have the um, scene where, I mean, I don't know that these were all in sequential or in sequential order, but I do know that the Tori or the, um, the, when Madeline is in the bedroom in her wedding dress came after Tori had seen or Ed had seen. You're right. I have it reversed in the notes, but you're right. But that was like important because he had already seen her and had basically been propositioned by yep, her. Yep. But when Madeline said what she said, even though it was cheesy, corny, whatever you want to call it, in the wedding dress when she was dancing in the room, when, when he, he came home with dinner with the girls, um, he he's like, oh, well, maybe maybe you did figure out what I needed to hear to be yeah. able to let this go. Yeah. So. I thought that this this too part of the episode was strangely uplifting. And like mm-hmm. we actually have some movement here in these two for the first time. Like like uh Madeline actually seems to be trying. It didn't seem like that was a setup. It seemed like right. she really was getting lost. It was in corny, yeah. but yeah. It seemed it se- it really seemed um, you know, genuine. And his response, like, I thought this stuff was good, you know? But then what we end with with them is um, when Ed is at his computer screen, another just really quick scene, which was, again, awkwardly edited, which with most of it on Ed looking at his computer screen weirdly. Yeah, and it which, was weird. Yeah. Like, like, he, like he felt guilty about what was on his screen. Yeah, it was like, weird, wasn't it? I agree. What yeah. is on his screen? I need to see. Is he like looking at Tory porn? Well, what I, is going I, on I, over I there? Know. He's right near. I don't know. She's on FaceTime. He was looking guilty. Yeah, he was. Like he had this he guilty look on his face and he kept he like, he kind of had one eye on the computer screen. Hey, he know, had to communicate weird. with her to meet her at the cafe <laughs> again, right? Like 
There's there <laughs> things happen that are not. He on was screen. sending her an instant message. Yeah, that's what was happening. Um, yeah, he was he was no, he was flipping around the FaceTime camera onto. That's where the other angle was. That's why we could, didn't get it in the edit because <laughs> there was a FaceTime camera. No, um, but those scenes were kind of cool. And all in all, I think that the Madeline, Madeline, and Ed relationship actually took kind of some positive steps this episode. Yeah, I I agree. Definitely. Uh, Let's talk about Bonnie at the hospital. We've got a bunch of scenes here. Most of them are really short. Yeah, very short. Oh, I wanted to also make reference to the scene when Madeline gets to Renata's. It's just, it's basically three shots. Two of them are the bridge. No, one is the bridge. Then her car comes up. Then they're standing in front of the house. They're all one take, one shot. And the one where they talk is literally less than 30 seconds long. And for them to do all of that, I mean, the car shot is not, that's a pickup, but pulling in to the, to the house and on the front there, that is a lot of work for 30 seconds. And my estimation is that that was probably a longer scene. Um, But I still think that it was interesting. You know, that's the thing is that, regardless of me now kind of seeing this stuff, I still feel like it was a cool, quick scene. And actually it surprised me. I'm like, wow, it's a lot of work for a cool, like they, it's actually efficient. So I don't know. I'm also a person who kind of has been liking the efficiency of this season. Um, it has been that. Yeah. I like it. I actually enjoy it. I mean, I've said it. I like the shorter episodes. Um, Bonnie- Every episode, I think I've shown how my amazement at the amount of, yeah stuff yeah, they fit were- into each episode for the short amount of time. I mean, I think this one was maybe like two or three minutes longer than the last couple, but it wasn't that much longer. Yeah. Because I think what you could imagine is that what we'd get is the same show, but with longer of the same scenes. We're not, it's, I don't believe that they've cut scenes. What they've done is they've trimmed the existing scenes that were shot. So that's why I think we get scenes like that. That would have been, that would probably was shot to be much longer and probably visually convey the feelings of guilt and helplessness uh, that Madeline was feeling on the drive and then meeting with Renata, whose marriage has already pretty much disintegrated and will disintegrate more. And there's a theme there running between the two of them and their marriages that can be explored more. And I believe that's what was taken out, which was more of a visual or, um, uh, yeah, just, just basically a, an exploration of kind of motion and visuals rather than dialogue. Uh, because I think what we are seeing is just the dialogue, like what was shot. So those looking for an alternate cut, I think would have would see something that is the same, just of a different style. Uh, let's talk again, Bonnie in the hospital. Um, the I mean, we start right out with Bonnie and her mom, and she imagines smothering her. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, my wife Perry exclaimed, "Oh my God, she's doing it!" And I was like, I thought, wow, she really is. They could, they actually tricked me. <laughs> I I wondered if it was her daydreaming, but yeah. I I wasn't sure. I I honestly thought she could have actually been doing it. They, they I think that in this case, the 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 weird, um, 
way that this was shot and all the kind of the dreamlike quality, the hallucinatory quality of all these hospital shots is very right, much- especially with Bonnie having yeah. all the little visions or whatever. You don't know what's real and what's yeah. not. And it works because if you've ever been in a hospital with somebody, you feel like that. Mm-hmm. You know, not just being the person in the hospital bed, but like visiting them. It can create, it's like a place that of no time. Yeah. It's like being in an alternate universe. Yeah. Yep. Um, then we get that little part about Bonnie in the police interview, which we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Well, she had said something and I forgot this earlier, but she had, she had said something in the police interview about running at him. And that's yep. when she cut off right after when you said, she said whatever, yeah. but like, then I wonder if that's like her imagining having said that yeah, too. That's so, a great like, point. Like she imagined ju- standing up in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like, did yeah. she really say that? She may have. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. That, I guess. Well, Hopefully we we'll go, know next week. <laughs> yeah. With one episode to go. Right. Oh my God. That's one thing that I have to say. The overall impression of the episode is like, they're going to, they got a lot to do next week. Um, they do, but they did a lot this week. Like yeah. they, they brought us further in the stories. Like I, I feel better going into next week after this week's episode. It was really good. So, yeah. And I think I may have put this out of order, but when the doctor, cause I think the doctor saying nothing can be done for her may have come before, or there's a couple times where. No, that actually came after oh, okay. the whole smothering thing. It did. Okay. So this mm-hmm. was crazy when she, when she says, can we kill her? Like it's so I dry. Know when she says it just like that. Like not even looking at her. She's like looking down at the floor. Yeah. She's really in something, man, you know? And then later when she says in the hallway, she says to Madeline, it's getting to you, isn't it? It's getting to you, right? Like you can, it's weird because mm-hmm. last episode, was it the last episode or the episode before where she seemed happy for most of that? Like, remember that? Bonnie yeah. seemed much happier. That's why I think she did tell somebody. But she's, well, she's told somebody now. Yeah. True. That's true because we see that, well, we should jump to that. When she gets to, we see her writing in this journal um, and we get a lot, a lot more visions. We even get a visit from Sky playing a song for her um, and Bonnie remembering, scene, again, scenes of, of when she was small and the abuse mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get basically this all leads up to her reading this list of grievances to her mother, which I found to be, wow. The way that scene for her started was weird though. Cause it was, um, they were in the courtroom and we switched suddenly to Bonnie's perspective in the courtroom. And we were hearing uh, Mary Louise's attorney say something to Celeste like it was down a tunnel and Bonnie imagined standing up and then we're back in the hospital room. So that like confused me a little bit. See, Um, I I really think that they've done a great job of editing this show. I know it's crazy, but sometimes I know, but that part, like I was like, I was no, it it wasn't like I was, well, I I was confused, but I was mostly confused. Like, so is is she like remembering Remember, having been in the right, hospital room right. here? And but does it matter though, Jenny? Courtroom? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But that did make me yeah. wonder that. Yeah, no, I, um, I see. I, I can understand that, and I, I think that that feeling of dislocation, 
within the time frame of the show itself. Plus you're as a viewer, you're trying to always figure out what's happening. You know, your mm-hmm. brain is always working. I think that they've successfully done that. And I think that's that one of the things they do in great. better call Saul that always gets me. And I always liked listening to you talk about it because like sometimes you, because of the, because of your technical knowledge of the way that things are filmed and whatnot, it would help um, put it together a little more for me. Cause especially early on in seasons of better call Saul at the beginning of the season, you don't know exactly what all these little disjointed things are that are. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how this is too. And it's like, so you have these disjointed pieces and you got to try and put them together. And it's really interesting. And, that was the only thing that kind of threw me off a little bit, but she, um, anyway, when we got back into the hospital room and she picked up her journal, she had been writing in that earlier when she was, uh, talking to her dad at the Mm -hmm. hospital. And, uh, so she decides that she needs to, to give her list of grievances to her mother and the things that her mother had done to her. And um, I thought it was interesting how she almost said that she doesn't love Nathan, but she doesn't say that. Yeah. Um, and I she don't think that's that. true. You know that I, I, and that's just from watching the show. I think yeah, love she, is just, but she is, was like, because of you, I married a man that I don't, I think respect is might be mm. what she was going to say, not love, mm. you know, because I, I, I feel like she actually does love Nathan, but I don't know if she respects him or, or, or that he is really at her level, right? you know, as a human being. So I don't know. But then, you know, she says that, that she, because of her, she killed a man and that she wished it was her mother. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, there better not be a bug in that room. Because, know. you know, <laughs> it was, a, for me, it was, a I was s- glad she got to say it. And I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. But I was like, oh, please, no. For me, it was simultaneously a brilliant scene because though we have been able to understand that the abuse that the show is about trauma, right? And it's about women. And the show is centered around a man raping a woman, right? And Mm -hmm. the trauma that then that caused for all these women. And then this season, we have the woman who killed that man. Remember, we had theorized and we had an email, maybe Bonnie had an experience with Perry or she had been raped before or she had experienced trauma from a man. But mm-hmm. what it turns out is that her trauma was from her mother, right? Mm-hmm. And, and trauma is trauma. And where it came from, what it stemmed from, it's just like later on when we're talking about all this stuff in court where they're trying to make Celeste fucking feel bad about the, the kind of sex that she desires – Right, which was terrible. In the same sense, um, Bonnie, this is like speaking directly to the audience, the, the thematic tension that was here, which was that she was pushing her mom. That was when we saw her exclaim and yell and go, no, and push him down the steps. What she was pushing down the steps is all those years of mental and physical abuse from her mother. Right, mm-hmm. not a man, and uh, I think that's very interesting, and I think that that speaks to kind of like the diversity of human kind and human pain 
And I thought it was pretty brilliant and I really was moved by it. But I also was like, oh shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then we see the tear go down the eye. Right. That from her, her mother. Yeah. And we don't know how much she really heard or understand. We don't understand, you know, what state she's in or whether when she woke up, she was dreaming or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that even adds to it. So I kind of loved all this stuff in the hospital room. Right. And did she, did she even actually do all of that? Do I need to be worried about her, the room being bugged? Was that all just in her imagination too, that she actually confessed that to her mother? Great point, Jenny. But she did suffer trauma at the hands of men as well because she, but she blames that on her mother as well because she did point out that, you know, she started having sex at the age of 13 to make her feel like she was loved. Yeah, I'm or sure that, that her, she could be loved. Yeah, because her mother made her feel that she 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 wasn't worthy of being loved or anything else. Well, isn't, so. that, isn't that the grand old story, right? Mm-hmm. When you you the cycle of abuse, you begin to see that as love. I had tears too. You know? Yeah, yeah. I you, cry at TV all the time. I oh. cry at TV more than I do about my real life. <laughs> it's easier. There, there's it no real ramifications. Exactly. <laughs> you can freely emote and then turn the fucking TV off. Rob will um, look at me and he'll be like, what are you cr-? And I'm like, are you new here? I I'm know. like, you oh, know God. that I cry you. at TV and movies all the time. Listen, when I first started dating my wife, I remember one time I got into a little argument. I mean, I was a little hurt. I was kind of laughing too. Uh, you know, when you first kind of like can can like speak someone's like the the differences between you in a relationship and it kind of makes you feel good about it though, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember like I, I had like really badly cut my foot and and then my wife was like, oh, you'll be fine. And then two minutes later, there's like a dog <laughs> commercial on and she's like crying her eyes out. <laughs> And I look over at her with my foot, like still bleeding, like it's a huge gash too. And I'm like, really? I mean, it's a, it's like, it's not, it's not even a real dog. It's on the commercial. And, you're, and then she's like, shut up and put the bandaid on. But, you know, it's easier. Um, but anyway, you're awesome, Perry. I loved all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, trust me. Anyway. If she didn't tell me that I, all day long, I'd think I was dying. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, this is why we covered curb, curb your enthusiasm. Why we covered it? We're going to cover the next season too, because I am that I'm. I always think I'm dying. Everything. Um, all right, so we get the basically two days of court. We get the court, and then we get some scenes of the night of the court um, with uh, I think Jane Celeste and a quick one with Madeline, I believe. And uh, the surprising thing here is, and the kind of the interesting thing is they all show up, right? This is like- On the day when Celeste has to testify, yeah. Yeah, they're all there. And and, and, and wait, well, over two days, they all come. Mm-hmm. The first and second day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot happens in this. The- Lawyer, who is an amazing actor. I love that dude. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, he was on American Horror Story. I remember one season he was particularly awesome. Is this the way – I've never been to a court like this. Does it get this personal? Um, most of the time, you don't have to testify in these kind of things. You have uh, at least – 
not if you can like be civil. Um, so I haven't been to anything where there was any testimony either, but he, uh, he definitely is a shark. Yeah. I mean, basically long story short, they do a pretty convincing job and something that I've been saying along the way, which is that, I mean, Celeste definitely comes back the second day and is much more together, right? Mm-hmm. And holds it together. But, but I did feel like even in this first one, when she finally decided to give it up and just talk to the judge, that even though that was a little nut, nuts, um, she did better in doing that, even though he then questioned her some more after that. Yeah. Um, I felt like she did um, a little better when she finally did decide to just talk to the judge because before that she just was, uh, she was all over the place. It was really something to watch and Nicole Kidman knocks it out, man. I mean, the the change that she undergoes to between the two days, the way they keep on when, when she, when he first comes up and he says, do you recognize this man? <laughs> you know, and then we see the flashes. Yeah. Do you recognize this? How about this man and this yeah. guy and this yeah. guy and this guy, yeah. Yeah. you know, and then, uh, did you get turned on with the rough sex and all the, and everything she had said to Mary Louise that came back to haunt her, you know, yeah, all the ways. It was so it, fucked up. You know, and then when we think back in the beginning of the season, how she spent so much time trying to ingratiate her, mm-hmm. you know, and make her and make Mary Louise happy and make every make them like a happy family. And then she's using lines that the kids said, I try to wake mommy up, but I couldn't. And the stranger told me to go back to my room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. Hot that, mess. And that's just so like when you hear a person say that a kid said that it sounds so terrible, but then every parent knows it's like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's a lot, that's not a reason to take your kid away. Yeah. You know? And I just felt that I was just screaming, you know, (laughs) honestly, I'm not going to go into the story, but I have a line that my daughter said to her grandmother when she was about five years old that her grandmother still holds against me. And my daughter <laughs> is 26. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that it, shit gets used against you. It all sounds forever. Bad. Yeah. It's just, it all, they, all I'm saying is when they said that this guy was the, the, the shark lawyer, they weren't kidding around. No. You know, and he systematically goes at her, the Ambien, the car accident, everything that was mm-hmm. said, the fights with the kids, slapping Mary Louise, <laughs> everything we've seen over the course of this, which led me last episode and you too to say like, yo, she's does have some major problems here, you know, where she does need to have. And then it's like, okay, are you getting therapy? Okay, I stopped taking the Ambien. I'm getting therapy. Why didn't you tell the therapist about right. the Right, why are you not getting therapy for the se- everything? Yeah, yeah, it was like, I mean, they just keep on fucking piling on her, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, I don't know. It made me pretty frustrated to watch. Um, And, you know, I think the sex stuff too is like, 
to make her into a criminal. Right. And but I that's why I liked what how she talked to the judge and the judge accepted even, even though she she was incredulous at at uh Celeste for not getting uh, additional help for the whole sex thing. Um she I feel like Celeste came across well in her explanation for why she stayed and the yes, things like yes, that, because yeah, she yeah. was not right. overly emotional about it, but you could tell that there was feeling behind what she was saying. It yeah. wasn't like she was being cold hearted. Um, at the same time, she also was not um, behaving uh, like a hysterical woman or, or, or whatever. I think she came across really well. That's why I liked that part. Cause I thought that she at least recovered a little bit of um, the composure that she had lost. Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with you. And that, that was like the great acting here where she was able to be so many different people. And isn't mm-hmm. that in situations like this, and especially when it involves sexuality and trauma and abuse, kind of negating the diversity of the human condition and emotional uh, variety that human beings can display within the same person, and also the hypocrisy that we can display and it still be genuine, mm-hmm. is to- that negating all that is what causes situations like this. And that's the type of person Mary Louise so judgmental. It's to get across her freaking point, right? Mm-hmm. Get at who killed her, her son. Now that was the interesting part here is that they kind of quickly get into that and then they dip out of it, which mm-hmm. I found to be a little weird. Like in my estimation, this court thing was going to build up and up and up. They weren't going to bring up any of the Perry stuff. Celeste was going to turn, right? Talk to the judge the second day. Her lawyer talks. Everything seems better. Then in cross-examination, I thought, boom, they're going to hit him with all the Perry stuff. And the real reason for doing this is going to come out, right? And that was going to be like a cliffhanger. This is how I'm kind of playing it out in my mind. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. Mm-mm. They bring up the Perry stuff. <laughs> right, right away after after she's uh talking to yeah. the judge, he that's when he asks her if she's been violent with the kids or Mary Louise and and then he outright asks her if she pushed her husband down the stairs. Yeah, like and then and then they continue on. And we already talked right. about the potential perjury thing or whatever, but well, like he shows that little video thing, like the trajectory <laughs> of his body, yeah, if he had actually the, yeah. fallen uh-huh. or if he had been pushed and it was as if he had been pushed. And she's like, I didn't push my husband, which is the truth. Yes, she didn't. But, but she does say he fell. So she says she didn't push him, but she also doesn't say that Bonnie did. Right. So Correct. there is a, there, there's, I so mean, I guess she did perjure herself slightly. Yes. Well, I think she did. If there's degrees of perjury. <laughs> well, as we she found did out. not push him down the steps. True. True that. True but that. you are correct yeah. in that she has knowledge that he did not just fall. Yeah. Uh, I, after losing his balance or whatever. And I want to give a call out to one of the best documentary series ever made, The Staircase. 
that, that is pretty good. That this is a direct homage, in my opinion, to the staircase. That I had never thought about yeah, that. Totally. That uh, come on, it has he, to. Be. I, I when you just said it, I was like, duh. It, it's the same fucking thing. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I had not even it's thought right, about it before. It's taken Ray from the staircase, uh, and I love it. Um, well, when did when did the um, the lady who wrote the book? Uh, when did she write the book? Was it before the whole thing with the staircase had been out? Like, or when that happened? Uh, I can't I even remember no the perpetrators. I have no <laughs> so, idea. I, yeah, so maybe no, it wasn't homage. No, no, no. I don't, I don't mean the actual, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying the actual event. I just mean this courtroom scene. Yeah, yeah, just this court, just okay. the, the just the the computer well, there's no graphic. Owl. Yeah, right. Where's the owl? <laughs> who is convinced of? There was someone on the Facebook group who kept on going, "It's the owl! It's the owl!" Um, but uh, so we go past that. A lot of people think it's the owl. <laughs> I don't know what it. Is. And you know, I lived about. I lived within a mile of them when they when when the second part came out. Uh huh. My wife and I lived in Durham, right? Like they lived in the same area after they huh. moved out of that big house. It was this was a long no spoilers for the staircase. Whoa. <laughs> my my son just slammed the door on me. He's like, move along, kid, move along. All right. Um, so we get some scenes that night, Jane at Mary Louise's door, where she oh, just yeah, acts crazy and Mary Louise smiles like I got her to do exactly what I wanted her to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Jane, I, I can't even with Jane. Like she, why did she do that? Does she not realize that um, Celeste, know. what's happening to, to Celeste is likely to happen to her too? I mean, I think she does because she said it to Mary Louise before, but why would she come at her like that? I don't understand. And she legit was going off. And then Mary Louise turning up that really weird, old people music to uh blast over jane's yelling that (laughs) wow yeah that was the whole scene was strange to me and i'm gonna jump in here and say i think this was uh, supposed to go somewhere different and it just seemed a little bit out of it like i don't understand why she would do that after seeing what they did to celeste in court right that right. everything she said was being used against her. Maybe that was that fear that caused her to do it. And she, uh, she inadvertently played into the trap, you know, she's feeling right. emotional and she made a mistake and she probably knows it. And the but, fact that Mary, Lu- that's, you know what, that's it. That's why Mary Louise, that's another reason why Mary Louise moved into her building because she knew she would yeah. probably be able to get her to react to things and come to her door because oh, when it's so right. convenient, when it's so convenient Good to point. just go yell at somebody, then why would you not? Especially being a younger person like yep. Jane is. Yep. Like she's she's not as mature as the other women. I mean, not like saying she's acted immaturely because she hasn't. She's been very mature for her age, but she's substantially younger than yeah, ex- the other experience, women. Ex- experientially. Did right. I say that right? Experientially. Yes. Experientially. <laughs> experientially. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's uh, how I would say it. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Great point. Great point. And then we get Celeste tucking the boys in, start oh swigging the vodka, yes. taking the pills. Well, I thought, no, I didn't. Did she take pills? Oh, no, she didn't. Take- she had the pills in her hand. 
but she doesn't take them. My wife said that to me. Right. She tucks yeah. the boys in, starts drinking the vodka. Then like she has a flash of a scene with Perry. And then she like has several <laughs> flashes. Like she was in the courtroom yep. Yep. <laughs> with all the different men. And then she puts the cap back on the vodka and puts it away. Yeah. But I mean, come on. She already took a lot of it, but it wasn't enough to get her out of the house. And that's a good thing. Cause I thought we, I thought they were going to get to court next the next day and have her not show up no i thought they were gonna she was gonna talk about the sex shit again and get through it and then i was thinking okay they're not doing the perry thing here so the bam bam at the end is gonna be well how about last night when you got out of you're left again the kids alone and you did this right like that i thought would have been bam you know um so so why do you think that um they took so much time showing her getting ready for court again this time like it didn't seem like she had bruises she needed to cover up or anything but like they spent a long time watching her get ready well this is a this is now i can play into my little director's hat again this This is is, why i'm asking yeah this is a way to show that a person is new right they're coming they're they're different there she's dressing herself up now she's not covering bruises she's doing it properly she's getting dressed properly she is standing up straight she is ready to go she's putting on a new face she's she's getting putting on the war paint she's a new woman now going into this second day and that's why you have that separate scene when you counterbalance that against the other one other scenes we've had where she you know covering up the bruise right like you said so i think that it shows a good balance there thematically towards the character's motivation this time which is to take control of this situation which which is exactly what she does right she very quickly stands up you had in your notes i I was saying it last week she's the lawyer right um right and and you said it too and now she needs to handle business in her own way and i thought it was a little awkward to me honestly the way it was i'll say again but the way this was edited it was kind of quick i would have liked a little bit more moving into that but when she did stand up and say that i thought okay cool but then when the episode ended I do admit that this time I was kind of like, oh, wait, I thought we were going to get like 10 more minutes or, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's a lot to cover now. Like it just ended awkwardly for me, at least. How about you? I, I, well, I thought it was really interesting because it was like, she finally came to the conclusion that, oh yeah, I am the lawyer and guess what? Okay. So I've watched this guy disabuse me of everything about myself for the past two days. And I, I have this in me. I have a spine and I need to, to be the one that handles this. And I just felt like she came into herself. I thought it was a good way to, um, to end it. I hope that, that we're right in our estimation of Celeste as a character and that she really is able to bring it. Uh, against um mary louise and um i I don't know i i I I liked it i thought it was i thought this episode was great yeah i very much enjoyed the episode as i've enjoyed this entire season and i've especially enjoyed talking about it with you jenny Uh, oh thanks that that sounded like an ad but um (laughs) i i meant it but um 
it was a little awkward for me just because like where the story's going, but I am happy like for the character, I'm like, good. You know what I mean? You needed to do this. You needed to go on the offensive, right? And it was like she was waking up because she almost was mm-hmm. saying to herself, like, why didn't I get this idea to begin with? Like, mm-hmm. this is a little late. Even the judge said it's a little late to be doing this, but you're right. right. You know, and, and and I think that's fair because what the judge is doing is not doing what I said before. She's not negating that diversity and that uh, that the the idea that people you have to allow human beings to act differently and to change even within a, a short period of time because they often do, right? And that is what happened here. She kind of refound herself. Now, my only thing is- I like this judge too, by the way. I love her. She's a great actress. She's been in so, I mean, she's been act, for she's been in stuff forever, right? I remember her in so I much like stuff. That, I like that she's a woman. Yeah. I like that she appears to be engaged and really listening to what Celeste has to say and is asking her intelligent questions because you would like to think that that's what always happens yes. in court, but it's not. No, no. Yeah, you're right. She's getting a fair shake here, which is something we should mention, right? Like from the criminal justice perspective, like even um, I, I think I was talking with my wife about how she was saying, you know, um, how she was, she was saying to me, this wouldn't, you know, uh, this wouldn't, they wouldn't believe, um, Mary Louise this much. Right. And I was saying, no, I think that they would, because like, it's just two rich white ladies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they kind of get right. equal, equal setting, equal here, footing, mm-hmm. equal footing. And she's got a good, the judge seems to actually be listening and care. Right. So it is kind of like a perfect, even though she's in this terrible situation, it's still better, much better than it, right, could, than be. it could be. Mm-hmm. And then it is, that's why I said in the beginning, like it just seemed rather, I mean, it's very dramatic and TV like, I wouldn't say this is the most realistic court scene I've ever seen. It, <laughs> I mean, Amen. even the courtroom itself is gorgeous. Like they keep on shooting the wides <laughs> on it. And I'm like that big frame, the right, like the, the logs on the top and like the woodwork. I'm like, this is amazing. It's got lights up there. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I've seen, I've seen like an awesome, like exterior of a courthouse. There's one locally that is really, really old and it's beautiful to look at, but like not when you go inside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I know, right? Old and yeah. gross inside. Well, like, remember, remember last season when they met at the um, it was like the like the town hall, and it was gorgeous too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, let's, that doesn't happen. Let's not forget this is Monterey. You know that <laughs> well, we always yes. have to it remind. It doesn't happen ourselves. in the rest of our little town. No, no. Usually, there's like gum on the floor, and somebody you ask <laughs> where to go, and they're like, rawr, 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 you know, and they <laughs> yell at you, and then you wait twenty minutes in a line, and it's the wrong line. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wants to be there, especially the people that work there and have to be there every day. And you're relying on them the most. <laughs> all right. That was our criminal justice uh, moment here. Um, but all in all, a great episode. I'm interested to see how Celeste, though, 
what evidence does she have? Like, that's the problem with this being, it's kind of hollow to me because she didn't have a PI following Mary Louise. She hasn't been paying close attention to the things Mary Louise said. Maybe the only thing she can do is say that the behavior that Perry had came from Mary Louise, but how are you going to expose that? Is she going to go at the dead son? I think she's going to ask her stuff about the accident that happened yeah. and how she handled it yes. and what happened as there a result and how Perry was raised and why he became the person. I don't know how she's going to bring all that out, but well, I know they'll do it economically as far as like the way the scenes are shot and the way it's put together. <laughs> and it's going to be yeah. a whole lot of shit in a probably really short episode. Maybe it'll actually be an hour long this time, but no, no, this I episode, imagine it's going to be amazing. Since it's the finale, it'll only be like four minutes long. <laughs> It'll just be like four minutes of quick shots and the theme song. And then at the end, Ed and Nathan fight for a half hour, you know, because it's interesting, you know, I mean, there is another world where that kind of, that, that show exists and it's interesting, but they sure did get great performances out of everyone. And we'll see, we got one episode left. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up at DVR podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on the Twitter, DVR Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Daily DVR. Look that up. We're talking about uh, Big Little Lies. We're talking about all kinds of different stuff. Jenny, any final words from you? No, I look forward to next week's episode. I hope everybody has a great week. Yeah, baby. And check out uh, Veronica Mars. Ken and I will be back for the finale. And I, I do want to try to get together. I'm going to, I'm, I'm I'll shoot an email over to, uh, Colleen and see if we can get like a season wrap up. And I'm interested to hear their point of view on the controversies and the whole season in general. It, 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 I, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It'll be just, I'll be the only dude. It'll be me and <laughs> all the ladies. It's all right. I'm down with it. It'll be good. All right. That's all I got. Peace out. All right, man. Ha, 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 ha.